Well, if you're hoping for a TED talk, you're getting a Fred talk today. <laughs> Hopefully the, the time will be somewhere between that and our time limit. It's an honor to be here. I got to hang two weeks ago, I guess, and a lot has happened in the world. A lot has happened in Ukraine over that period of time. So it's very difficult. I will honor our time, but it's very difficult to try to compress it all into this. I tried to come up with some ways to give us a perspective. Neil's correct. My first trip to Ukraine was in 1992, right after the wall fell. Ceausescu got booted out of office. We were living in the UK as missionaries. And that's when um, a number of mission agencies in North America worked together in something called co-mission. And uh, that was spearheaded by then Campus Crusade, now Crew, the Jesus film. Not me. Could be Yvonne, you know, and by the way, yeah, in Ukraine or in, in, in Ukrainian or in Russian, it's Yvonne, not Y-V-O-N-N-E, but I-V-A-N. Uh, but whatever you call him, he's an amazing man. I'm hoping that we can get through. If nothing else, I will go to the primitive technology and hold my phone here so we can hear him. We're having some difficulty with the video. But frankly, if the dog can talk, you can't criticize its vocabulary. <laughs> if, the fact that I can do, thank you, I knew it would take a moment. Um, the, uh, I love technology, like Neil said, I love it even more when it works. Um, but the fact that I can sit here in my uh, office at home here in Franklin and talk to somebody in Kiev or send money to somebody who's trying to get out of the country or get somebody money to pay their father for the gas it took them for him to drive them from their town to the border it is astounding. So from 1992, when the country opened up, they, they commissioned me to be a part of a team that would record North American worship songs in three of 20 or 10 languages. And I was living in, in the UK as a missionary at that point. And so I wound up going to Estonia, Latvia, and Ukraine. There were songs that you all know, songs like I Love You, Lord, or in moments like these songs at that point were already 20 years old, but they were tested, and uh, Jesus Film had put all that together. And I was amazed at the musicality. I was also amazed that studio with an engineer in Estonia was $5 a day. Yeah, really? Yeah, true. New believers, established believers singing worship songs. I wound up singing a duet in Latvian. Now, I need to remind you that I had never been to Estonia, Latvia, or Ukraine, nor had I ever heard their languages. Three very different languages. But when we got to Ukraine, we pulled into the state radio of Ukraine studios. The A room, well, the B room, the B room was probably three times the size of this room. That was the overdub room. The A room was a, a concert hall. But in the center of that room were eight singers who sang a song straight from First Call, Forever in His Care. Thick jazz harmonies. After having some other musical issues, I turned to my friend who was helping me, and I said, I think we'll be okay here. <laughs> and that began a love affair with Ukraine. I left that week speaking to the church that had put that session together, and I said, I talked a little bit about music, and then I said, you know, God has really touched my heart. I pray he gives me the opportunity to return. Fast forward to 2012. I 
I followed things in Ukraine. I watched what was going on. I tried to follow the group. And my friend Byron Spradle over here says, hey, it's 2012. We're going to do this speaking thing for the Lausanne uh, committee. Would you want to come? And I said, duh. I'm usually really articulate, but that was my duh. And so at the end of 2012, we went to Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary, and I met the students. But before I met the students, I met a guy at a meet and greet. Nashville knows about meet and greets. So I shake his hand. His name was Oles. He spoke great English. He was an exchange student. Have you been to Ukraine? I told him the story. And he looks at me and says, oh, you're the guy. <laughs> now, I had just flown in. I knew that my stuff was still in the van. I knew it was 30 minutes to the airport. I thought, I can get out of here fast. But I discovered, he said, oh, no, no. You need to understand, I am a worship leader. My sister is a worship writer. And we wore those cassettes out. The next Sunday, we went to church. And I have to tell this on Byron. Byron was heading this group up. But I went, we went to this church that I'd known for 20 years. And all the pastor wanted to do was talk to me. He was a little miffed. He's sitting over here. But he stood up and held those cassettes up and said, this is the foundation of modern Ukrainian praise and worship. I thought, I don't want that burden. But what God had done was open a door to work with these students, 50 <clears throat> students from all over Ukraine. And over the last 10 years, I've been involved in partnering with them and bringing teams of educators over to train and disciple worship leaders and pastors in the theology of worship, in the music of worship, in the history of worship. So you can imagine how tied I am to these people and these students. And until six weeks ago, that's what I was doing. But the day after the invasion or the continuation of the invasion that started eight years ago, I founded a relief fund. So you're looking at the staff of serveukraine.org. And for the last six weeks, is it now? But on the phone, you know you can send money from your phone through your credit card to somebody's account in Kiev, and they will have it in 30 minutes. Did you know that there are hundreds of Ukrainian Christians who are doing the work? It's amazing to know that huge organizations are in there. I, I, Samaritan's Purse has got, I think, four mobile hospitals in there. That's amazing. I have friends who've worked with Franklin Graham for 20 years or more. So I'm not slamming Samaritan's Purse when I say this next thing. But guess what? This is a very broad thing. It's like you have a colander, right? You know, when you strain your uh, pasta. I'm Italian, so I do a lot of that. It keeps the pasta in, but a lot of stuff goes through. You serve Ukraine now is more like a fine mesh strainer to catch the people who are doing the work that others don't see. I mean, Yvonne, hopefully you will meet in, uh, in a few minutes. But he and, uh, he and some of our professors every day have been going into Kyiv, going in with a bus that we were able to buy, bringing in supplies, taking out people. We've been in the last, no, this is not bragging, I'm just telling you, this is crazy. In the middle of these last six weeks, I had three weeks of shingles a friend looked at me and said, I can't imagine you getting a stress-based disease at this point. <laughs> I can't, I don't know why that would happen. Because these are people, these are relationships, these are real people. I want to take a moment and give you some context.
Franklin Brentwood. What if Kentucky decided to invade Tennessee? I mean, you know, we're neighbors. We share some common heritage, two different states. But if, when you hear, sorry. Yeah. When you hear Bucha and Erpine, think Franklin and Brentwood because they're almost the same size. When you think of Ukraine, you think of Vishivanka, you know, the colored embroidery and people in thatched huts in little villages in an ag agrarian society. 70% of Ukraine is urban. Kiev is the size of Chicago. And our seminary, and I have the map here, assuming it will come up. I just want to show you the map for some context. Oh, it's already there. Okay, good. Uh, where are we? Well, I've pulled it this way. I, I too much to share. That's why it's a Fred talk. That's Keith. That's in the center of the country. That heart is UETS, the seminary. That is Erpine. That is Bucha. That is Hostomo. And right there is Horenka. This is my hood. It's one thing to watch a movie set in a place you've never been to, and it can have car chases and slamming into this, and this gets shot and that gets shot. It's another thing to see a movie that's in a place you've been to before. It's another thing to see the real thing in a place you've been to before. Should have had more sleep last night. Wouldn't be quite so sensitized to this. But I want you to imagine what it would be like if Kentucky invaded. If all they did was shoot up people. I decided not to show you a lot of pictures this morning because A, it's breakfast. B, you've seen it. But we heard about the raping and pillaging, and I say that specifically in Bucha a month ago because of people on the ground. Yvonne lives in Bucha. His apartment is on the fifth floor of a multi-story building like there's so many of them there. The first four floors were kind of a duck blind for the Russians just picking off people. And they looted his flat. What they couldn't take, they broke. One of our, um, the wife of one of our uh, professors is also a graduate of the seminary. And she, with her two kids, is in Warsaw. He's in the far west of Ukraine, all the way out here by, just south of Lviv. And in, for the last month, Oksana has been driving from Warsaw to Lviv every two days. That's a seven hour drive. And she's been bringing stuff in and taking people out. If we had time, I'd show a little video clip of her bringing a cat and a dog back for a family. But more importantly are the people she's able to bring out. The other day, she had supplies and an, ur a cre uh, an urn of cremains for a soldier who'd been shot. That's Franklin. We're not talking about people in, in a small village, although there are small villages around. I went and did the, the, the math last night. 
Keeves is the size of Chicago, Kharkiv on the opposite side of the country, has more people than the area in Middle Tennessee. Mariupol, 400,000 people. It's the population of Knoxville plus Chattanooga. You hear numbers, this is context. Bucha and Erpin, if we had time I'd show you pictures of the restaurant I ate at in December when I was there, just down the street from all the carnage you saw. I mentioned Oksana. Oksana's husband cannot leave the country. She, he is in Zakarpatia, just south of Lviv, in the territorial defense, the National Guard. He's a theology professor. Pretty big, imposing guy, but he's helping defend his country. He is Russian. When the conflict starts, sorry, the invasion started. This is not a conflict, it's a war. When the invasion began, they called his mom in Russia, and she said, oh, hi, how are you? How's the war going? I think it'll be over soon. Do you want to send the kids to stay with me? Mom, they're killing us. No. Mom, people are dying. That's the reality, and a Christian mother wouldn't believe her kids that it's there. It's a very, very, very sad thing. One last illustration, then we'll get Yvonne here, hopefully. Our dean, Marina, and her husband, Vitali, also live in Bucha. Marina and her daughter and her mother are now in central Sweden. We helped get them through that whole morass. Vitali has a brother, has two brothers. One is older, one is younger. And the younger brother lived in the psychological hospital in Borodyanka. And you've just seen pictures of that. You've seen pictures of the one big apartment building with the V cut out in the middle. 500 people in that hospital. There was an article in the New York Times last week about that. I just read it yesterday. Too many horrors to even go into at breakfast, gentlemen. But all the passports were taken. Vitali wanted to get his brother Tima out. We spent three weeks working on that. We got some other NGOs involved. And eventually, this last week, we finally got him and Tima. Tima's 42, has the mental age of a six-year-old. What happened in Borodyanka, you need to read the article. I can give you the connection. It was not pretty. It was not fun. It was, I mean, I've told people my thesaurus is broken. I have no more words. Diabolical, horrific, untenable, unbelievable, etc., etc. But Tima doesn't know what to do, doesn't know, has no context for this. He's never seen the ocean. They took a nine hour ferry. He's never been out of central Ukraine. We're trying to help these kind of people. What God's allowing us to do, this is not a commercial, but these are my relationships. Our students, our alumni, the churches we've worked with, that's what we've done. But these are real people in real danger, no matter your politics. This is a country that has, is the largest mission-sending nation in Central and Eastern Europe. Let me say that again. This is not people in a small little village church. These are people who are evangelizing Eurasia, teaching across Central Asia and former Soviet republics. An 
incredible people, wise, deep people who are put in this awkward position. I want to see if we can get Yvonne the phone. It may be the only way we can do this is through this, because I'm. we do have audio, you said. Let me see if I can get Telegram going. One thing I will mention, if you'd like to get some more context, God gave me the opportunity, the second day of the war, I got a phone call from the editor of Christianity Today. I said, it was one of those, really? Who is this really? I said, we want to do a feature on Ukrainian worship. I said, well, and some people said, you might be the guy. I said, guilty. And so we did uh, an article called Five Ukrainian Worship Songs for War and Peace. It's on the Christianity Today site. But I also mentioned to him that he might want to contact Yvonne, brilliant man, very articulate. And he's now, they did a whole interview. Some of you read that interview, they sent you a link. You'll have that link in the email. Deep thinker, mid-40s, leading an incredible group of staff. I'm just going to try it on here. Nope, we're going to do this. Here we go, Yvonne, where are you? I thought that was mine. Hang on, one second, Yvonne. Do you have the same problem I do? Hearing aids that go through your, everything comes to your head and doesn't come out the audio here? Let's do this. Okay, we're punting. Neil and I were joking. We really have known each other that long. And between us, how many thousands of concerts have we done? Too many. And you always do what you got with what you got. So this is one of those cases. Hearing devices, audio routing, not automatic. Go to never hearing devices. Go there and there and back. Watching the sausage being made, gentlemen. Yvonne, are you there? We're going to do... I cannot see you, but I think we're going to do audio only, Yvonne. Uh, we've, we were a little late getting stuff set up here, but I've got you. I've got 100 men here who I've just told that Bucha and Erpine are like Brentwood and Franklin. And so it's suburban. Yvonne lives in Bucha. He is from the east of Ukraine. Why don't you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in Bucha, Yvonne, and then I may ask a couple of questions. We've got about seven, eight minutes here, so. Okay, uh, this is my uh, privilege to participate in your event, and thank you for caring about Ukraine. Thank you for standing with Ukraine. Of course, there is a lot of information in the internet. But we have different level of thought to everything we see. And let me share what I have seen. And I see everything. Hang on. Can you see? Go ahead. So, uh, first of all, I would like to say that this is unprovoked full-scale wild war. It brought death for thousands and suffering for millions of people. I have spent five days in the basement of my block of land. And I saw a lot of suffering uh, of my neighbors. 
I saw killed civilians and soldiers in Bucha, and I saw a mask by my eyes. I heard a lot of stories of people, how they lost the loved ones, and how they buried them in a backyard. So there is an extreme suffering. A lot of civilians are killed, and civilians building and infrastructure is destroyed. So uh, some people ask me where God is now. They ask me if I do him in Pucha. I don't see God as a supernatural figure in Pucha. I haven't seen an angel or a burning book. And yet I saw God in Pucha. I saw him in those who cry, who suffer, in those who protect in our soldiers. And also I saw God in those many volunteers that are helping those who are suffering. So I start in the midst of our suffering because he always comes to the places where suffering is. So on behalf of Ukrainians, I want to say thank you for everybody who is going for Ukraine, who is supporting us. And I ask you, to stand with Ukraine and ready to war for Ukraine. We are fighting a giant who wants to destroy our nation as such. And we really need the global support, the support of civilized world. So in the midst of extreme suffering, we can continue our ministry to our people we can demonstrate Christ's solidarity with them. And this war made every Ukrainian mind neighbor. So um, we see extreme suffering. And I just returned from a special mission when I had to take two bodies from a morgue mm. and deliver it to the cemetery. Two bodies from a morgue. Did you hear that? Go ahead. So I met a guy, Mr. Alexander, maybe three weeks ago in the city of Hostomel, and we were delivering food from that moment till now. So yesterday, and I know only his name, he nobody for me, you know, I just have only his name. And yesterday he called me and he said, finally, the body of his parents are founded. And he needs my help to deliver from the work to his hometown. So this is what I was doing. And this is our reality. Yvonne, mm. with that, what's the best way we can help? You can help us by praying for us. You can help us by moving the voice uh, with your government, you can help us providing resources for provision. Yeah. A humanitarian aid is only about to start. The most vulnerable people are the elderly people yeah. that are in a very remote 
religious. Every single day, we are using four little buses. We are going to the remote villages, delivering water, medicine, food, power generator, and gasoline. Thousands and thousands of people are in a desperate mood. So if you have resources and you want to help us to take care about the Ukrainians, you can send your resources and we will purchase food, we will purchase medicine, and we will distribute it to people that are in a desperate situation. So pray, help with resources, advocate with the government. Uh, one interesting thing I might say, guys, is he can still go to the store and buy stuff. So we can send him money. He can go and buy those kind of resources and get them out to the people who need it. These elderly folks have been days. People in Bucha were a month in their basements. No electricity, et cetera, et cetera. Yvonne, they've, my time is up here. But uh, I want to thank you for being on call, and we will continue to pray, and you and I will chat later today. Gentlemen, would you show some kind of solidarity, maybe putting your hands together to thank them. Thank you. I will call you back. Thank you. Oh, there he is. Okay, in his office. Now I got you. Now I can see you. Amazing. <laughs> Guys, serveukraine.org. Right now we've got... I mean, like I said, I'm the staff. We've got volunteers who are helping. We've seen some money come in, but we've, we're going to need a lot more, even if the war ended today. And I, when I realized, when I looked at the, the suburban cities of Bucha and Erpine, I thought Franklin and Brentwood can do something because those are our people. Listen, the average salary in Ukraine, are you ready? $350 a month. You might get double that if you were in a high salary job. We were able to support 45 families for two months. Would you also help me with this? I realized I need somebody to help manage our website, which hopefully will get up in the next couple of days. It's tough to put together a website when you got shingles. Um, Fortunately, somebody else is working on that. Somebody who's a writer to help write. I'm a pretty good writer, but there's too much information, guys. I had so many videos, so many things I wanted to show you. I thought, let me just share my heart. Watch, pray, connect with those as people because there are so many believers there. And I'm not just talking about evangelical believers. People are people are people are people. They need our help. We can go directly to them and find the guys who are doing it and get them those funds. So I would covet your prayers. If you want to invest, up to you, serveukraine.org. Why do we call it Serve Ukraine, lastly? Because we want to serve the people who are doing it. Yvonne can do this. They've got volunteers. Oksana can do this. She's got people all across the country She's trying to get stuff into Mariupol. You can't get in or out of Mariupol. But they're ready to do that. By God's grace, somebody told me, I said, uh, you know, it's kind of like an Esther moment for me. With these connections, with these friendships, with these relationships over 10 years, 
people who are national leaders. Listen, I was meeting with the head of the Baptist Union, 2,000 churches in Ukraine in December in Irpin. I was at a Bible study in Bucha. And everybody in the room, except for me and the, the family and Marina's family, they were all displaced from eight years ago. They were in Donetsk, in Luhansk, in the east. Now they're in Irpin, and now they're in Western Ukraine saying, what do we do? Lastly, guys, I need wisdom. I need to clone myself, but that could be really dangerous for the world. Um, but I'd rather have people to come alongside and partner in all that. Your wisdom, your ability, because there's going to be needs. There's going to be needs there. There's going to be opportunities here to bring people in. Would you pray with me? I know we're over time, Neil, so let me pray. The best laid plans of mice and men, Lord, there were so many things I wanted to say. There's too much to say, but you know. We pray for Ivan, for Fyodor, for their crew, for Oksana and Pavel and their family, for the staff and students who are now all refugees, everywhere from Portugal to Sweden to Slovakia to other places in Ukraine. Would you speak to their hearts right now and let them know, first of all, that they're not alone, that you are with them and we are standing with them. Give us wisdom in how we approach our government, Lord. This is a political thing too, but we want to see righteousness prevail. We pray that you would stop the attacker. We pray as, as Jehoshaphat prayed, when the choir went before the army and they worshiped, that the invading forces fell on their own swords. Lord, we know life is important, but this is horrific, this is demonic, this is diabolical, would you stop it please? And show our role in doing that. For your sake, as kingdom people, as kingdom men, may you give us wisdom to know how to act and how to interact and how to stand up and say thus far and no further. Lord, we pray for the students and the alumni and the church members who are all doing things, teaching kids when they're, as they're refugees, those who are supporting other leaders, those who are in the West who are taking refugees in as they're on their way out of the country. You give us resources, let us use them wisely. Lord, I don't, you don't operate on guilt, but Holy Spirit, would you convict those who need to be convicted? And may we do the things so we can tell our kids, this is what I did during that war. This is how I was able to help. Thank you for the privilege of knowing people like us who are under horrific situations. Comfort them. Help us to do all we can so that we can make a difference in serving Ukraine, I pray. Give us wisdom, we ask in Jesus' name.